Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. The episode you're about to hear is not the story that was scheduled to run today. We'll run that episode next week, but we wanted to press pause for a moment. The events that have been unfolding over the past few weeks have made it very clear that all of us need to be doing much more to actively fight racism. One of the ways that Out There, as a media company, can do that is to use our platform to amplify the voices of Black, Indigenous, and people of color. The stories we tell and the people who tell them matter. So, we're going to take a break from our normal programming this week and we're gonna talk about what we commit to do to become part of the solution rather than adding to the problem. I said this on last week's bonus episode, but I want to say it again now. Black lives matter. As a podcast, we commit to becoming a better ally in the fight against racism. The outdoors should be a place that is welcoming to all, a place where anyone can go without fearing violence, harassment, or discrimination. Unfortunately, that's not the reality. I have begun to appreciate that going outdoors as a Black person is a political act, an act of defiance that challenges existing power structures of who does and who doesn't belong in certain spaces. That's Sean Amagazi. He's an out-there listener, and he's reading from a recent Instagram post in which he talks about his experience as a Black man trying to enjoy the outdoors. I would be lying if I said that I always have the courage to venture wherever I want, whenever I please. In the back of my mind, I'm always making risk calculations about whether a trip outside is worth the real danger of being perceived as a threat simply due to the color of my skin. One day I ventured to the top of Amicalola Falls in northern Georgia. This day I found the courage to hike to the top of a waterfall in the middle of MAGA country. The danger of encountering racism was real. However, not being able to exercise my God-given rights as a human being and citizen of this nation felt like a much greater danger. I pray that I can continue to have the courage to never apologize for existing, to never say sorry for taking up space, to not care if I'm the only black person on the trail or the road, because I belong in every space and every place, and so do you. Social media is brimming with posts like Sean's. Posts from people of color who want to pursue their passions outdoors, but who face obstacles that those of us with white privilege never have to consider. There are posts from black van lifers who describe being pulled over by the cops and questioned about how they can afford such a nice vehicle. There are posts about black anglers receiving death threats while they're out fishing. There are posts from black mountain bikers who constantly feel they have to prove themselves because white mountain bikers assume they're unskilled. Even posts that aren't about overt acts of discrimination, 
drive home the message that the outdoors is not seen as a place where Black people belong. Here's a woman named Lindsay Short, reading from one of her recent Instagram posts. Being biracial, I never truly felt like I fit anywhere. To make matters worse, my predominantly white circle quite directly told me that my interests and hobbies made me white and that I had no knowledge of black culture. My existence was a contradiction to their understanding of blackness. For a long time, I let that understanding shape the way I saw myself. It wasn't until this past year that I started embracing all that I am, that I can be both black and white, and that I get to define what that means for me. I can love being in nature, being environmentally conscious, and gardening. I can raise my daughter with gentleness and attunement. What I'm currently unpacking is a revolutionary idea that these are actually practices of my ancestors that were stripped away and appropriated by colonists. But that's a post for a different day. In the midst of a social justice movement for Black bodies, I'm leaning even more into my identity as a Black woman. I'm seeing my interests and hobbies not as things that separate me from my Blackness, but that connect me even more deeply with who I truly am. So where does all this leave us? After the protests die down and the Black Lives Matter hashtag stops trending, what will we actually do to make a difference? How will we, as a podcast, become a better ally? Here are a few things I can promise. First, I promise to educate myself better. I've put together a reading and listening list for myself, which includes a wide variety of anti-racist books and podcasts. The first book on my list is called Me and White Supremacy. I'm a few chapters in, and so far it's excellent. It's sort of like a workbook, so you read a chapter and then you respond to a series of prompts. The idea is to help you understand all the ways that, if you're white, you get to move through the world without thinking about the color of your skin. For example, if you're pulled over by a cop, you don't have to worry about whether it's because of your skin color. If you go to the movies or a museum, it won't be hard to find works by people that look like you. No one will assume you're less capable when you're out hiking or rock climbing or kayaking because of the color of your skin. Like I said, I'm still at the beginning of the book, but already it's helping me understand how my skin color offers privileges I never realized I had. And it's making me start to recognize how I may unwittingly be participating in white supremacy. If you're interested in checking out the book, head over to our website, outtherepodcast.com. I've posted a link on our blog, and I've also linked to the other reading materials and podcasts on my list, as well as a very thorough ally resource guide. The second thing I promise to do is be proactive in seeking out stories that amplify underrepresented voices. People often ask me how we find our stories— And the short answer is that most of them find us. I'm constantly receiving pitches from writers, producers, and publicists suggesting stories and interviews for the show. It's nice that we get so many pitches, but almost all of them are pitches from white people suggesting stories about white people. So 
We are changing the way we select content for the show. Instead of just waiting for stories to come to us, we are actively sourcing stories and interviews that we feel will bring new perspectives to the show. We are reaching out to people whose voices need to be highlighted and whose stories need to be shared so that we can start to bring you content that represents the full human experience of the outdoors. It takes a while to develop long-form narratives, so you won't hear all of the resulting stories right away. But you will hear them, and you will keep hearing them. Finally, I promise to work hard to diversify our team. As you may know, we are a scrappy independent podcast operating on a shoestring budget. But as we grow, we're going to do our best to hire team members who bring new experiences, perspectives, and ideas to the table. And we're going to work hard to be a welcoming team for all. We have a lot to learn, and I know we're going to make mistakes along the way. I also recognize that each of you may be at a different point in the journey toward racial justice, and that's okay. But whatever your reality at the moment, I hope you'll join us on the path to anti-racism with an open, curious, and welcoming mind. If you have suggestions, feedback, or criticism for us, please be in touch. And if you or someone you know has a story to tell that you think should be featured on Out There, let us know. My door is always open. Thank you for listening. Thank you for believing in us. And thank you for sticking with us as we work at becoming better allies. <laughs>